We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the LakersNation.com post-post game show. I am your host, Sean Davis. The Lakers, they unfortunately lose their first game at home this season to the Sacramento Kings. Man, it was not a fun game uh, whatsoever. The Lakers lose final score 125-110. to 110. This is LakersNation.com. Post post game show where we dive into the advanced analytics and X's and O's and to show you guys that tonight was not a fun night. I just lost the sound panel. So that tells you how rough this night has been. But appreciate you guys tuning in. We got uh, we got some some stuff to, to talk about here on tonight's show. We're going to dive into, like Trevor mentioned, the uh, Austin Reeves pick and roll stuff. We got to dive into the Anthony Davis performance. There was. There's been a couple of things that the Lakers are, have done, I guess, is semi-positive, right? But um, a very, very, very frustrating game tonight. The Lakers lose, like I said, 125-110. to 110. Take a look at some of the box score stats. I mean, D'Lo and LeBron, I, I think they're like three players that showed up tonight, and it was D'Lo, LeBron, James, and Cam Reddish, and then everybody else – for the most part, kind of no-showed. Uh, LeBron and D'Lo, 28 points apiece. Shot a combined 7 of 13 from 3. That's what we want to see. Um, LeBron with a triple-double did have 6 turnovers, though. The Lakers as a team had 23 turnovers, so tonight. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, 12 of 20. 4 of 6 from 3. Really, really good game from him. Cam Reddish is just playing with confidence, man. And that is like... All I can say right now about Cam Rush, regardless of whether he misses a shot or he makes a shot, he is just playing with so, 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 so much confidence right now. And sometimes that's all you need, man. That's all you need for an offensive player is you just need those guys to play with confidence and play like and trust their abilities. And I think Cam Rush is the embodiment of that right now. He is playing super, super well these past four games. Really, I feel like since the missed game winner in Miami, I feel like after that game, he's been really, really solid. I'm going to really quickly go pull up Cam Reddish's stats. Cam Reddish 
in the games this season. He's on the year before, not including tonight, seven point three points per game. But since Miami, and I will include since Houston. So in the Lakers past four games, he has seventeen points, eighteen points, ten points, sixteen points, and he shot five for eight from three, one of three from three, three of five from three, and two for five from three, and took ten shots, ten shots, seven shots, and fourteen shots. So Cam Reddish right now is balling. He is playing with immense confidence right now while also playing really, really well defensively. It is a four-game sample size. So I'm going to be a Debbie Downer and tamp temper uh, expectations just a little bit. But he's been awesome these past four games. And this is the flash that the people were talking about. And through these past four games, he's been brilliant. Really on both ends of the floor. He's been awesome. He's been awesome. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, if Cam keeps playing at this level and is consistent with Vando coming back, don't see a role for Prince. I didn't expect that to be where we were at, you know, heading into the season. But I'm not going to lie. That's not, like, terrible. That's not, like, a bad take, at least. Right? Like, if Torian's not hitting threes, which is what he's here for, and if Cam, he's not like Malik Beasley to where like, okay, he's not hitting threes. Really, what is he on the floor for? But we're kind of getting to that point where like Cam Rush is shooting better than him right now. Cam Rush is starting to play with great confidence. And there's nothing really defensively that Torian Prince does better than Cam Rush. So like if Cam Reddish is, if this is real, right? Maybe not to this volume or whatever, but Cam Reddish is a 35% three-point shooter, which he's shooting 34% now on the year, which is somehow more than Torian Prince. And Cam Reddish, hold on, wait, I'm just going to quickly like average up the attempts in my head. 8, 11, 16, 21 in four games. That's a lot. Six threes. Well, all right, so let's say five threes a game, right? Let's say he takes five, okay? And he's like a 35% shooter on five attempts a game. And he's giving you what he's giving you defensively. Then, yeah, I think you got to have a conversation about Torian Prince. Because I think Gabe is going to play. Gabe is going to play, I think, almost regardless. So this is like not a bad conversation to have if what we're seeing from, uh, from Cam Reddish is legit when Vando gets back. That's a really good point. Um... Let's see. Edward says, I can't tell you how much confidence has to do with how well one performs in a game. Asking when we played ball, when people believe you, is a difference maker. Absolutely. Edward also comments he was stuck on teams with ball dominance, shoot for his guards his whole career until LeBron. I wouldn't say LeBron isn't a, LeBron's not a shoot first player, but I get your point. Uh, well, LeBron's a ball dominant player in general. He's just not a shoot first guy. But let's dive into this game, guys, shall we? Um, I mean, what do you guys want to talk about first? We have, there's a there's a bunch of different stuff we could dive into. We could dive into Austin Reese playmaking, which I think, which is really ironic because I had to tweet out earlier. It was like, yeah, Austin Reese playmaking is back. I thought he was really, really bad for the first like seven games. And then for a three-game stretch, in, really including last night against Memphis, I was like, hell yeah, Austin is back playmaking-wise. And then Austin just completely craps the bed tonight in terms of playmaking. So we can talk about Austin. We could talk about Vando. I've seen some stuff about Vando in the chat. We could talk about Anthony Davis and what the hell happened. Or we can be positive and stay positive. We can talk about the scheme with Darwin. And, or we could talk about um, the 
stay positive. LeBron and, and D'Lo being great tonight. I mean, really, I'm, I'm going to feed off of you guys' energy tonight. What, what do we want to talk about tonight? Uh, my team is fine, personally. But let, let, let's talk about this Lakers team, which I think is a point of frustration tonight. <laughs> Ryan Mitchell in the chat says, stay negative. That's that type of night. Um, let's see, man. I, I'm going to start with Austin. I, I, man, let's start off with Austin. Do, uh, Will Man. Will Man says, do I think Austin will be better off ball? And Sky Falcon says, how do we defend quick guards like Fox? I think you really need Bando back. I think you need a locked in Anthony Davis defensively. And I normally don't get mad at Anthony Davis um, defensive performances, but. I would, or not even like defensive performance. I don't get mad at Anthony Davis' performances that often, but I was pretty frustrated with Anthony Davis tonight. I am not gonna lie to you. I was, I was, I was a little irritated with the way that AD played tonight. I thought he wasn't rolling hard out of his screens. I, I thought, I thought some of the shots that that Sacramento got off, I felt like if Anthony Davis was all the way dialed in. I'm not I'm I I'm not the one to call a player lazy, so I'm, I refuse to do that, right? But I will say this: if Anthony Davis was all the way locked in, like like he was last night against Memphis, or like he has been honestly for like the majority of the season, some of these shots are blocks, right? Or like they are better contest. And I feel like what we got tonight from Anthony Davis, I think that is something. No, that that is a tangible thing that you can kind of see on film, right? So effort and like laziness or whatever like it's a really tangible one because we don't know them and two is kind of hard to like like i said unless you know them right you, you can't really like say a player is lazy or not in my opinion right and but i will say this that some of the stuff that ad didn't get tonight defensively in another game he probably would have gotten right so i mean anthony davis i was really frustrated I'm I'm equally frustrated with the the coaching staff and AD in terms of his offensive involvement tonight. I am not posting bail for Anthony Davis whatsoever. He shot tonight. Uh, hold on, Trevor had the he had the box score up. Let me see. Pull it back up here. Anthony Davis tonight shot three of nine, zero for one from three, three three from the line, nine points, nine boards, one assist, four blocks, five turnovers. And what the what the Kings did, and I'm going to give the Kings credit, they were so freaking smart off the ball defensively tonight. It makes no sense. Where they would, they started off by doing some bonus, not some bonus, uh, Harrison Barnes, who is super physical, way more physical in the post than I thought he, he had any right to be with Anthony Davis in the post. And they would send doubles. They sent it from the passer. They sent it from the baseline. So they, uh, from my re recollection, right? They also changed where they would send these post double teams from, which is really, really uh, cool to see uh, from a schematic standpoint defensively. So once again, give Sacramento some credit. And their off-ball rotators were so good. Kevin Huerter had at least three or four plays tonight where I thought he was super active defensively. He had a steal where he just completely baited Anthony Davis into throwing an errant pass. And again, that's how you look at the box score. You see Anthony Davis with five turnovers and one assist, right? And 
it, it sucks. It, it really, really does suck. And I think when the Lakers, when when you're able to get one thing out of this Lakers playbook, I just I would I would love to see like better counters implemented from this Lakers coaching staff because I feel like, and I'm gonna fact check this, but it feels like that the Lakers have just gone away from the wide pin down series this season, which was such a staple in the Lakers half court offense last year. And it feels like they just say completely, nah, we're good. We're not going to go to this anymore because teams have started to beat it a little bit, but that's when you put on your coach's cap and say, you know, Hey, we are going to find a way to counter this because this play freaking rules for us. Right. So it was really, really frustrating to see them kind of abandon it. Uh, I'm going to really quickly check and see it's loading. So once it loads, I'll pull up the data on their wide pin down series, but, I don't know. I just feel like I would like to see, and they went to it a couple of times. Like they have, like if you don't get it, you go ball screen game. But I don't know, man. So there, there are games where I am like legitimately frustrated at how the Lakers call offense for Anthony Davis. Like I, I will say that. Uh, they have ran their wide pin series 20 times this season. Or they have 46 times, 20 unique sets. Like 1.2 points per possession, that's really freaking good. Pretty frustrating, in my opinion. All right, let's see what else we got here in the chat. Got a couple more Super Chats rolling in. David says, can the Lakers' top five players match up against the Nuggets' top five? LeBron, 80, plus two wings and one guard from a roster versus Joker, Gordon, MPJ, Jamal, and a guard from their roster. Probably KCP. How many other teams' top five can we compete against for real? So, the short answer is yes. Like, I think that the Lakers' top five, in terms of just, like, talent can compete with just about anybody. Because one, I think I think LeBron James is back. I think LeBron, this is the best version of LeBron we've seen in about a year or so, right? Yeah, yeah, really since like the 20, definitely the 21 season. The rust season of LeBron was genuinely a really, really good basketball player. And I think all we've seen from LeBron this season is he's back. From a jump shooting standpoint in particular, he is all the way back and all the way dialed in, which is super, super fun to see. He's shooting 76% from uh, the floor at the rim. On pull-up threes, it's actually dropped now. He's only 33.3% on pull-up threes. But he's 40% on catch-and-shoot threes, 37.3% on, on threes in general now. Like, LeBron is back from a jump-shooting standpoint. I think he missed one of his threes tonight uh, on pull-ups, and that's why the number dropped just a little bit, right? But that's going to open things up now to where, like, hey, look, LeBron – this season on ball screens is shooting 42%. Very low sample size, but I think that's really the big key. One, can LeBron, can LeBron be semi-healthy for a, like, by the time the playoffs get here? And if the answer is yes, then I think you match up with just about everybody, maybe except Denver. And that's why, like I said, I think you may need a trade. I don't want to talk about trades in particular tonight. But like I said, I do think that's why you might need a trade to where you can get another guy that could just be money. But D'Angelo Russell's going to play like this, and he's the other guy, right? And I'm not trading for Zach Levine. I've, I haven't been on the show recently, but uh, I'm not trading for Zach Levine. I'm not trading all that stuff that people are talking about for, for Dagon, sure. 
I'm not trading all, all that stuff. D'Lo as a pull-up jump shooter hasn't been great this year from three, but from the midi, he's been awesome. 50% mid-range pull-up jump shooter. That is absurd, and he's shooting 46% on catch-and-shoot threes. So 50% on, on uh, pull-up mid-range and 46% on catch-and-shoot threes is nuts. Let the pull-up shooting like creep back up. Honestly, if the pull-up shooting just like balanced out to like 35% and the catch and shoot data dropped a little bit, we are in business with D'Angelo Russell. We are cooking. Justin says, would like to see Ruri get the wood in Hayes minutes. Like for him to be a 30-minute player, he's only playing 20 minutes a game. Ruri tonight, Ruri or whatever, played tonight. I want to say 18, 18 minutes. How many times does he crack 30 minutes this season? Rui Achimura played 24 against Memphis, 33 against Portland, 20, 26. Yeah. I haven't been the biggest fan of Jackson Hayes' minutes regardless this season. So if if the alternative is giving his minutes to Rui Achimura, I am game. Because I, I just haven't liked Rui, uh, Jackson Hayes' minutes. Chris says, the reasons Trevor explains... Why Anthony Davis is a superstar is exactly why he's not a 1A. 1A scores, not a defensive anchor. You need a star score to pair with AD. Puts too much of the scoring on role players. Um, hmm. I get where this comment is coming from. But I still think regardless of... I, think which, I don't think all superstars are 1As necessarily, right? Like, all right, chat. Is Kyrie Irving a superstar? Maybe that's a bad example. Is Ky- or is Paul George a superstar? Yes or no? Like, I uh, I don't know. Like, okay, somebody said yes to the Kyrie thing. Yes, I'm, I'm seeing the yeses to both. Okay, so play. follow me here. If you think Kyrie and Jason and, um, and Paul George are superstars, okay, Damon says Paul George is a superstar, right? Okay, cool. Paul George is not a 1A. Paul George isn't a 1A, right? So, like, I don't think a superstar has to be a 1A necessarily. Cool. If you think Kyrie is a 1A, I mean a superstar, Kyrie, you don't have to be a 1A, in my opinion, to be a superstar, in my opinion, at least. Like, I I, I just don't think that's accurate, right? I think Anthony I – th- I agree. I think Anthony Davis is a superstar, right? Because I think what Anthony Davis does over an 82-game stretch, for over an 82-game, or, or for 80-65-game stretch, right? Over a 65-game season, Anthony Davis is going to give you, over a full season, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, and be a top-five defender on the planet. That is a superstar. Like, he is giving you 25-plus, plus elite defense. Now... Anthony Davis is going to give you, out of those 65 games, eight games a year where he isn't it, like a tonight, right? Which is so frustrating. And that's why Anthony Davis has to hate, right? And that's why he gets the hate that he gets because there's going to be eight games like tonight where he just doesn't show up, right? Or like a ha- the second half against Denver, right? Where he just doesn't show up, okay? but. For the other 
maybe not like, like the other entire 58, but let's go like 48 of the other 65 games, right? For 48 of the 65 games, Anthony Davis is an elite player, right? Anthony Davis is an elite player. But I think what this comment is saying is why Anthony Davis is not a top five player. I, that's what this comment's alluding to. I think this is why Anthony Davis isn't a top five player. Anthony Davis is a superstar. He's not a top five player. And I think this is what the comment's alluding to. I think it's super, super hard. You can't be a, a top five player and not be a 1A. Giannis is a 1A. Jokic, 1A. Embiid, Embiid's not even in my top five. But Steph, 1A. Luka, 1A. Braun in a specific situation currently is a 1A, right? Or Embiid, Tatum, like KD, if you put KD in your top five. Uh, Tatum, if you put Tatum in your top five. Book, I think at this point, a 1A. SGA, for some reason, if he's in your top five, 1A, right? Like all these guys that you see in your top five list right now are all 1As. And that is, I think, again, started to rant about this, but... That is why that's what this comment's getting at, I think, if that makes sense. Right? Tatum's not a 1A. I completely disagree. Jason Tatum's a 1A. SGA's not a 1A. Please go watch Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. <laughs> oh, man. But I think also what's also super frustrating, and this is where I'm going to post a tiny bit of bail for Anthony Davis, is. Like, I don't think the coaching staff is always great at scheming scheming up Anthony Davis. I just don't, right? Where I think you look at uh, – my headphones are plugged. Where I think you look at all these other teams that have these 1As, like I said, like Giannis, Jokic, Steph, Braun, Luka, but then say Luka, Tatum, Embiid, SGA, Book, KD, right? I think you look at all these other teams and you'll never see a game where they just get completely schemed out, right? Now, granted, a lot of those other players are ball handlers, right? And I think Anthony Davis's inability to be a consistent playmaker is what's ultimately kind of whole. He's not like the shot maker of Jokic. He's not the consistent playmaker of like any of these other guys. So Anthony Davis legitimately needs offense to be created for him every trip down, or he is not scoring. And that is why, another reason why I just don't think 80 is a 1A, because you have to create actual offense for Anthony Davis, where you can just give the damn ball to Jokic, Giannis, Steph, Luka, Braun, Katie, Tatum, uh, Booker, Kawhi, like, like all these other guys. You can just give them the damn ball and say, here, we don't need to create offense for you. Go create, go create it yourself if a team tries to scheme you out, right? And the Lakers just can't do that with Anthony Davis. Long with an answer, he's a, he's a superstar. He's not an elite player, and he's not a one A. All right, <laughs> very long winded way to to say to answer that question. Chris responds, says AD is a superstar. He's not a one A. We build like he is. Yep, I think that's fair. I will say this: I've seen a lot of this conversation going around. And th th there's this narrative and there's this discourse around the Lakers five out offense and, and things like that. Right. And some of it's true. Some of it's not. One thing I do think is true and why the offense at times has kind of looked a little frustrating is because I do think the, this coaching staff will like get in the lulls 
where the five out offense really, really works when you have great ball handlers, right? And you have, you have great guards. And I, I think the Lakers, in an attempt to drop LeBron's and Anthony Davis's uh, volume and their usage rate to try to preserve them for an 82 game season and a 16 game playoff win, like to win 16 games in the playoffs. They're putting more responsibility on guys like Austin and guys like the uh, D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura when he's actually in the game and Christian Wood, weirdly enough, right? Like they're putting way more responsibility on those guys, which some of them I think can handle it, right? Some of my, some of them I really, really do think can handle it. Okay. Others, I just don't. And it, it leads to like possessions where you got Cam Reddish legitimately getting ball screens, right? And, and Max Christie or Torian Prince, right? Which I'm not like crapping on Cam Reddish or whatever, right? Because Cam Reddish has been awesome, especially recently, right? But I don't need 10 ball screens for the entire year for Torian Prince, 11 for Cam Reddish, 14 for Max Christie. I don't need to see that. Right. And I think that the Lakers, like I said, an attempt and part of it's smart, right? Part of it is like actually smart to try to weigh down the volume and stuff for Braun and, and stuff, right? But to the volume that they're doing it from where 60 point no 61.4% of their ball screen offense is coming from D or Austin Reeves is kind of frustrating. It just is, right? And I think Austin has had really, really poor stretches of playmaking. Where if you look at the Lakers' ball screen offense this season between LeBron, Austin, and D'Lo, Austin has the highest turnover percentage out of the three. LeBron's at 11. Ball screen offense with LeBron initiating it is at 11.8%. D'Lo's at 12%. Austin's at 14.7%, right? Um, If you look at effective field goal percentage, when one of those three guys are initiating the offense, D'Lo's at 57.8%, Austin's at 52.2%, and LeBron's at 53.3%. Like, it is like genuinely, and I've genuinely been frustrated by Austin Reeves at times tonight. I think, or this season in general, right? I think there were games, there have been games like yesterday where I thought, oh my God, Austin, he had this sick pass to 80, where I think he's driving right throws it over his head with perfect timing and precision and to only where Anthony Davis can get. I think they had the foul him, right? He had a few passes where I was like, okay, cool. Now we're doing, now we're getting somewhere, Austin, right? And then he has like equally three passes or four passes tonight where I'm just like, Austin, what are we doing? Or, ooh, Austin, I thought you missed a window there. And I think the minute that Austin can like be a more consistent playmaker will be the minute that I'm, that we can say, okay, cool. Now you could trade D right? Because there's still this big trade D crowd. And I don't think you could do that right now unless you're getting another bona fide playmaker back. Because if you're telling me right now your playmakers are LeBron James, who they're trying to use like a little bit more off ball, LeBron James and Austin Reeves, I'm like genuinely nervous about this half court offense, right? Where D'Angelo Russell. Who tonight, uh, let's pull back up the, the, the box score stats, shall we? D'Angelo Russell continues 
Tonight he had uh, five assists. I mean, Delo, I mean, Austin, to give Austin some credit, he did have eight assists tonight. He had four turnovers and he had a couple more missed reads, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But D'Lo has been one of your best playmakers all season. And it has not been close, right? So you add in the fact that D'Lo's been a great playmaker, plus the mid-range shooting, plus the catch-and-shoot shooting. Like, I'm not trading D'Lo for Zach Levine, right? So I'm not panicking on Austin. I just really, really need to see Austin, like, get back to being this, you know, legitimate, secondary playmaker and I think he's just left so many like just a ton of meat on the bones so far this season it's been super super frustrating really really frustrating to watch Austin as a playmaker this year for sure all right let's see what else we have here in the chizat appreciate you guys for sending in super chats super chats are the Easiest way to make sure you guys get all your questions and comments answered. Also, if you guys haven't checked it out already, make sure you guys go check out the LakersNation.com membership program where you guys can get exclusive access to extra videos and content such as our weekly preview video where myself and Trevor Lane will go through the week's games and preview what the Lakers have upcoming and other great content that Trevor has planned over there as well. And let's make sure you guys hit a like on the video if you guys haven't already. Get this out to as many people as possible we are in hour two of lakers nation post game coverage hour one was with trevor lane for laker nation live we are at hour two technically for the lakersnation.com post post game show all right let's get back to this, the rest of these comments uh david says today the kings were well prepared for us i agree teams bring it playing against the lakers we can uh can get caught unprepared a lot Coaching staff issues, age, effort. Uh, question mark. Those are all like questions. So coaching staff issues, age, effort. All right. So I think tonight, I think tonight was like a combination of a bunch of different things. I wasn't necessarily pleased with the Lakers game plan necessarily, right? I will say this though. The Kings throw a lot at you, right? The Kings are going to throw a lot at you, right? In terms of, their principles in terms of how they run in transition, right? Like I am enamored as a, like I'm, I'm the, I'm the offensive coordinator 
for my uh, basketball team that I coach for our high school basketball team. I know offensive coordinator technically isn't like a set position, but like that's my role, right? So I'm the like offensive coordinator in air quotes, right? And I'm just enamored with like Mike Brown and, and how they like just run their system here in Sacramento where they are getting out and running in transition. They are eighth in terms of transition offense frequency. And there are they're not even that good, but they're 26 in terms of points per possession. They are in terms of shot quality, though. The Kings are 13th in terms of shots. So they're just underperforming of their shot quality and transition, right? And I think on a night like tonight where they run like crazy, yeah, this Sacramento Kings team is deadly in transition, right? They have an abundance of different ways that they could beat you from the half court, right? They're going to score a ton off their cuts. They're going to score a ton off of handoffs. They are the number one team in terms of uh, scoring possessions off of handoffs in the NBA. They don't even run ball screens. Like, this is a ball screen-centric league, right? And the Kings are, like, bottom of the pack in terms of ball screen offense, right? If you look at their ball screen offense in terms of, like, how many, like, ball screens in general they run, they are the second worst team in terms of how often they run pick-and-roll attacks, right? It's them in Denver, right? But very similar to Denver in terms of efficiency, Sacramento's number one, right? So they don't run it a ton. Denver's 11 for those wondering, right? They don't run it a ton. But when they do run it, it is awesome. And it's because it's De'Aaron Fox, right? And I get, it's, it's De'Aaron Fox and it's Malik Monk. Let's, let's see their ball screen attack really quickly, right? And ball screens, it's De'Aaron Fox and it's Malik Monk. And when De'Aaron Fox runs ball screen offense, it's going to lead to something good. And De'Aaron Fox is a superstar. That is a superstar, right? And I think the fact that he also is just so versatile. Let's let's look at De'Aaron Fox's shot uh, shot data really quick. All right, we can stay with their team. So pick a roll ball handler. De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. Oh, my God. De'Aaron Fox on all on his scoring possessions. So when De'Aaron Fox is scoring, made shot, missed shot, foul turnover, right? Let me zoom in on this. De'Aaron Fox, 1.316 points per possession. That is freaking crazy, right? If you go to handoffs, right? Handoffs, De'Aaron Fox is at eight, but Kevin Herter. Keegan Murray, Malik Monk, isolation stuff, De'Aaron Fox, and he's great at that. So they just have so many different ways that they can beat you in the half court that you are going to have to either outscore them or you're going to have to just play like super solid freaking defense, man. And on a night where you're like not all the way engaged, you like just look lethargic and don't really want to play. Yeah, cool. It's going to be a rough night for you because this Kings team is going to put up 140 points, right? And last season, I'll pull up last season's data so it's even better for you. Last year's team, I thought, I think in terms of just the way that they're just able to like run their stuff, I wouldn't maybe like make the argument that last year's team was a little bit better in the half court, right? Again, last year's team wasn't great at finishing in transition, right? But last year's team for Sacramento uh, is still up. It is still up. They had over a thousand, almost 2,000 transition possessions. Almost 2,000. So they're running out. They are leaking out 
they were dead last in terms of pick and roll offense where the ball handler is looking to score. Dead freaking last. But once again, or it's them, Golden State, and Denver again, ironically, all tied up in a bunch together. But who was towards the pack top of the league again? The Sacramento Kings. They just have so many different ways of beating the Sacramento. Sacramento after Denver might be the toughest offense to scout in the NBA. Hold on, I just want to. I'm going to fact check that. I want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. So it's Denver. Golden State is actually like fairly easy, especially now to kind of game plan for. I'm not going to lie. Phoenix, we haven't seen fully healthy, so I can't say Phoenix yet. Um, yeah, it's Denver and it's Sacramento, and Denver's really because of the like Jokic Murray two man game plus Jokic just being like an unguardable like post guy, right? But like outside of that, it's Sacramento. Sacramento's legitimately one of the toughest teams to guard in the NBA for all their stuff because like we'll see again they just score off us so much you you just don't know what to do because they score off us so so much it's it's really really puzzling how you guard them and even the one game we did win last year against Sacramento we scored well 133 points to do it or something like that right like it's 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 tough. It's tough to guard this team. It's tough to beat this team. All right, chat. What else do you guys want to talk about tonight before we wrap up here on the LakersAsia.com post post game show? Uh face reality. I missed the 2020 Lakers roster. Just perfect to be honest. Yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days. That team. I said this on the la um, on the most recent pod with Trevor. That team was always the best team in the NBA that year. Like, that team was the best team. They didn't they didn't have like the statement win until that weekend, the infamous weekend before the uh, breakdown or shutdown or whatever against Milwaukee and LA, or excuse me, and the the Flippers, right? But they were always the best team that year. It was never really a like a thing that Lakers team was always the best team in the NBA. I don't give a crap what Clippers fans say. Jeremy asks, can you check the updated team rankings after yesterday and today's game in terms of like, are you talking about offensive rating, defensive rating, stuff like that, Jeremy? Let me know. We can get to that before we wrap up here. Damon says, Sean, can you talk about our transition offense? It looks like we're slow compared to other teams. I just, so like for me, when, when you know, I, I think transition offense personally is super, super pivotal right now. The Lakers are actually pretty good at it, right? Somehow they're eighth in transition like frequency. And in terms of efficiency, they're 11. So this is a good transition offense, right? Like all things considered, they're 10th in terms of transition defense efficiency. And they are. 12th in terms of opponent transition defense, like in terms of transition defense frequency. So they're a good transition team on both ends, I think. I just don't think that they run their lane super, super hard. And I I, I genuinely hate our guards sometimes in transition. 
Like D'Lo doesn't push the narrative enough or like push the pace enough in transition to me, which is super, super frustrating where, you know, my personal philosophy is like, hey, I want my guards to be dynamic in transition, explosive, go attack the rim, be rim pressuring guards, right? And like that, that's more personal preference, right? But I, I don't think our guards are great in transition, like for sure. Uh, the Lakers offensive rating, they are 20th now. Defensive rating, the Lakers are here. I, I, I suppose I can share my screen. Offensive rating, the Lakers are 20th, though. Hold on one sec. Try and pull it up for you guys. All right. There we go. All right. Lakers are 20th in offensive rating, 20th in defensive rating. They are 21st in net rating. They are in assist percentage, 16th assist to turnover ratio, 15th offense rebounding percentage, 28th, so third worst team in the NBA. Defensive rebounding percentage, they are 19th. Uh, turnover percentage, they are 15th. They were just like 10th, I think, in that category. Effective field goal percentage, they are 11th. True shooting percentage, they are 10th. Pace, the Lakers are 15th. All right, and then we'll go back to uh, four factors. Four factors stuff to get out of here. So I looked at, we already looked at some of this stuff. Free throw rate, the Lakers are fourth. I already looked at that. I already looked at that. Opponent effective field goal percentage, the Lakers are 18th. Opponent free throw rate. This is the best thing this Lakers team has going for them right now is how good they like are at getting to the line and defending without fouling. Like that is a legitimate part of this Lakers philosophy and like their identity right now is we're going to get to the line and we're going to defend without fouling. Like that is a legitimate part of this team's philosophy. They don't force a ton of turnovers around middle of the pack in terms of opponent turnover percentage. So, and yeah, as we've acknowledged, they're not the best at, you know, defense rebounding. All right, chat, a pretty frustrating night. All things considered, shout out to Braun, D'Lo, and Cam. What a great game from those three guys. Everybody else, got another game Friday against the Portland Trailblazers. The Lakers win. I'm trying to uh, get the scenario down. I think the Lakers win. They got to play Utah still. Hold on, let me find it really quick before we get out of here. Never mind. I think I think they need to play Utah first before we can talk. start talking about them winning and you know getting a berth in a playing tournament. I mean, excuse me, in the uh elimination round or whatever. Right, but you play Portland, you play Houston to end out the week. Utah plays Phoenix on Friday. So Phoenix wins and you beat Utah. You can actually maybe even yeah never I'm not gonna speak that to the to the air. But let's go back in a win streak here. The Lakers have an opportunity to try to get some wins back up here. You lose a three-game losing streak. You lose your undefeated streak at home. But the good thing about basketball is there's always another game coming. You play Portland Friday, Houston uh, Sunday, Utah Tuesday, and then you have a massive test next Wednesday night against the Dallas Mavericks at home. Man, it's a good time to be a Laker fan. Laker Nation, thank you guys so, so much for tuning in here to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel and to the LakersNation.com post-game post show. I've been your host. Sean Spaces Davis. Make sure you guys follow me on X at Sean underscore D-A-V-I. 
Appreciate you guys for tuning in as always. Everybody, have a good one. Stay safe. See you guys next time. Peace out.